Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. So today I'm flying solo, which is perfectly fine. As I mentioned in last week's episode on music, I got a bit behind on scheduling people to be on with me after uh, the events of the last couple of months. So I'm going to be doing this one flying solo. Today we're going to talk about something that has really sort of been going on hard, hardcore since 2015 at the bare minimum. But it right now in the, the past... Uh, since the 2020 election has just been insane coming from one particular party, that would be the Republican Party. And that is uh, gaslighting. Gaslighting is something that initially sort of the terminology came about and it sort of described abusive relationships. And so the term gaslighting comes from the 1938 play Angel Street, which Alfred Hitchcock later adapted to the film Gaslight, in which a man tries to convince his wife that she is going insane so he can steal from her. When he turns on the lights in the attic to search for her jewelry collection and the gas lights dim downstairs, he tells her that it's all in her imagination. Gradually, she begins to question her own memories and perception. And goes on to say, uh, this is from the Newport Institution, by the way. And so it goes on to say that gaslighting typically takes place in a abusive relationships like this like this, and is closely associated with other types of emotional and physical abuse. While gaslighting is most common in romantic relationships, it can also occur within family or workplace relationships. And I would like to also add that it can take place between news organizations and political parties because there are a couple news organizations and a political party that has been gaslighting the American people hard, hardcore since 2020. And sadly, there's a group of people because they were primed previously to this gaslighting taking place. They they just eat it up. And so basically, at its core, gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. Typically, gaslighters are seeking to gain power and control over the other person by distorting reality and forcing them to question their own judgment and intuition. So in this case, the way that people are being gaslit, they've actually already come to the point to where they don't question anything that has occurred. Case in point, the election was stolen. There's literally no evidence that any of these states that they say were stolen were stolen. The only reason they are complaining about the areas where they say the election was stolen in 2020 is for race reasons. It's funny how the race, all of these places where the election was stolen didn't take place in primarily white districts. All of the places where they claim the election was stolen are from predominantly uh, districts that have majority African Americans. That's why they're claiming it was stolen. It is solely about race and the fact that Donald Trump is a big, giant, whiny little bitch who can't handle the fact that people don't necessarily like him because they see that he's an authoritarian, racist pig. That's why he lost. 
And to sit there and claim that the Democrats stole the election from him, but they weren't smart enough to give themselves a 60-vote supermajority in the Senate should give you clues that this whole thing is bullshit and it's not really what has in fact happened. However, that is not the case. Everyone just believes it. Donald Trump says it was stolen, so it was stolen. But Donald Trump uses the typical narcissistic ploy and statement of, you know, there are those that say, I have this. There are those that have said, you know, there are those that have done this. Yet in court, where he would have to prove that those have said, and they said this happened, it never gets proven in court because they have no evidence. That is why in 60 plus different courts, None of that got past the initial stage because they had no evidence. And ironically enough, there have been people that have been arrested and are either have been prosecuted or currently getting prosecuted for voter fraud. And in every single case, they are Republicans. And that includes President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. The man went bought a property in North Carolina that has a double-wide trailer on it, registered to vote, voted in the election, even though the entire time that he claimed he lived in this double-wide in North Carolina, he was living in Virginia because he was the president's chief of staff, and he never once lived in that house. By the way, his wife is also being investigated for this. And then he absentee balloted, which is so wrong and evil, in the election. That's voter fraud. He was not living in North Carolina, nor had he been, which is why the state of North Carolina has since removed him from the voter rolls and he's being investigated for voter fraud. In Florida, there were also cases of people that voted twice. Guess what? Each and every time there were Republicans. And there has also been cases where Republicans have gone and voted in two separate states. They voted, abs voted absentee in one state and then voted in the state that they live in. Also voter fraud. So this notion that the Democrats stole the election is bullcrap. In every single incident that they claim there was voter fraud, there in fact was not voter fraud. The only voter fraud is, is that they don't want African Americans to vote. And the way the Republican Party and state legislatures have been passing laws since the 2020 election implies heavily that that is in fact the case. They do not want african-americans to vote in in republican states since they are doing redistricting based upon the last u.s census guess what they're also doing they're changing districts gerrymandering them to the point to where they are getting rid of districts that are majority african-american and how are they gaslighting people also with all of these new laws is it's voter integrity it's voter integrity it's voter integrity well you know the american people want to make sure that our elections are you know free and untainted well they they were the people that tainted them were the people that started beforehand claiming that the election was going to be stolen so that when they lost they had the backstory of the election is going to be stolen so yeah there are people that want voter integrity because the Republican Party primed everyone before the election happened that there was going to be massive voter fraud. So then when they lose, guess what they get to complain about? Oh, there was massive voter fraud. No, no, there was not. And that was where the gaslighting started. And then, of course, January 6th happened. 
Everybody knew on January 6th that the people that were rioting and storming the Capitol were MAGA supporters. There were tweets by Donald Trump saying people to be there, and if they don't have the courage to do what needs to be done, then you need to go and make sure they do it. That they have the courage. Show them the truth. And then to... As they're storming the Capitol, and it was all made up of the people that went from the Trump speeches over at whatever that Liberty, whatever it's called, and then they went over to the Capitol. Everyone knew that the people going over there were MAGA. Everyone. And that's why the day that everything was occurring, everybody, media, politicians, people in the White House, were texting Mark Meadows telling him you have to have him put out a statement you have to have trump put out a statement that he needs to call everybody off he needs to send them home so many of these republican legislatures were doing that because you know why is the capital was being breached they were scared no telling how many of them crapped their pants but they were scared marjorie taylor green her text messages reveal she was terrified and so during that day, they all knew who it was. But then when it comes time, well, I guess it was probably between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. All of a sudden, some Trump campaign strategists and lawyers and whatnot start texting. We need to blame this on Antifa. We need to blame this on Black Lives Matter. They were undercover acting as MAGA. First of all, if they were acting undercover as MAGA to get things going... President Trump telling them to stop would probably just make them go at it more hardcore. We all know that, number one. Number two, it was an awfully white crowd for Black White Lives Matter. Um, so that's obviously not the case. And to sit there and believe that they spent all of this money on Trump flags and, you know, the thin blue line flags, which is ironic because they were beating the crap out of Capitol Police with thin blue line flags and Trump flags, and American flags, but they're, you know, they can't take ownership of what they did because they realized once this riot started and people were storming the Capitol, that it looked bad and it could ruin the Republican Party. There were people walking around the Capitol carrying Confederate flags. That didn't happen in the Civil War, but it happened on January 6th. And then the gas lighting started. But before I get into the starting of the... Sorry, I just went on a rant. I was going to actually explain a little more um, about gaslighting. So let me go back to that before I go in further on how the news... Certain aspects of the news media and Republican politicians started in with hardcore gaslighting. Let me go in with uh, just some definitions and some talking about uh, gaslighting. These are 10 signs of gaslighting in a relationship, obviously a couple. Once again, this comes from the Newport Institute. So, and this is certain ways that you can tell if you're being gaslit. Generally, it's in, you know, a relationship status. But this also is broadly applicable, Ugh. applies to what Fox News and the Republican Party and OAN and Newsmax and all these talk radio people have been doing. Lying about or denying something and refusing to admit the lie, even when you show them proof. So, the proof has been shown that the election was not stolen. Yet, they continue to lie about it. They keep saying that it was. The proof has been shown, quite conclusively in the second impeachment trial, that 
Trump and his cronies caused the January 6th insurrection. Let's make no mistake about it. They were trying to steal an election and they were doing it uh, on January 6th. Insisting that an event or behavior you witnessed never happened and that you're remembering it wrong. So in this case, the way that it is being portrayed, i.e. Fox News and these other stations only talk about things and only show certain aspects and videos of what happened on January 6th so that it's very, very, very edited and you don't see the worst of the worst parts of what happened. They don't report on it as much. They don't go as in-depth because in their mind, they are trying to blame people that had nothing to do with it. And the way you set that up is you got to create the narrative. So things are being selectively edited. And it's funny how there are people that they've done studies on that show things that occurred on that day. And they're like, well, I've never seen this. Yeah, because you aren't listening to the correct source and you're actively being lied to and taken advantage of. Spreading rumors and gossip about you or telling you that the people are gossiping about you, that doesn't really, I don't think, apply to uh, this particular instance. Changing the subject or refusing to listen when confronted about a lie or other gaslighting behavior. Now, this does occur by Republican politicians when they have been have their own text messages read back to them or statements that they have made. Uh, they frequently change the subject or refuse to answer. They just flat out refuse or they lie about it uh, just straight out, telling you that you're overreacting when you call them out. A perfect example of that is Representative Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks gave a speech at the little event that took place beforehand, wearing a bulletproof vest so he knew that it was a potentially dangerous situation. And then after it happened, about a week or so after January 6th, he comes out with this little video where he's talking about how it was no different than just a bunch of tourists. They were walking through the Capitol complex in an orderly fashion, going through stanchions. If you've seen videos of the inside of the Capitol that day, you in fact know that is not what's happening. There were Capitol Police heads getting crushed in doors as they were trying to go through. They were literally going in there to kill Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence and other leadership of the Democratic Party. Yeah, they were tourists, Mo Brooks, but you just go on ahead and flat out lie about that. Just the sheer, I don't, I don't even want to say ballsiness, just the sheer fact that you produced that video and just flat out lied like that to your constituents. In my opinion, you should be removed from office. Actually, in my opinion, you should be tried because I think you knew what was going to happen and you're trying to CYA. In my opinion, you should at the very least be charged with insurrection and sedition and, you know, possibly being a traitor. But anyway, that so that is a case where he's sitting there and saying that you're overreacting. That's the Republican Party saying you're overreacting. And in this case, they're talking about uh, media that is not conservative media, you're overreacting. In the half of the country that did not vote for Trump, you're overreacting. No, no, we're not overreacting. Our eyes tell us what we saw. But Mo Brooks gaslighting us in that little instance. Okay, blame shifting in relationships, saying that if you acted differently, they wouldn't treat you like this, so it's really your fault. Th see, I already covered that. Who do they blame it on? Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Shifting the blame from the people that did it to another group of people so it doesn't look like they're the guilty party. 
This has been done on an industrial scale since January 6th. It's funny how all of the people that have been arrested for this, you can go back on their social media and you can clearly see they were all MAGA. A lot of them pushed QAnon conspiracies. So it's obvious that these people who they supported in this, but they can't have it that it was them that did this. So they're lying. They're blaming the people that were not involved shifting the blame. Unfortunately, the gla the people that are gaslit, the MAGA folks, the 50% that voted for 45, they're so gaslit, they pretty much just believe anything. And then factor in the other stuff, not getting, you know, news stories about it or anything like that. They are, they're just primed. And the gaslighting at this point was, was pretty easy. Next, trying to smooth things over with loving words that don't match their actions. That obviously is more relationship-based than what's going on on this national level. And then twisting a story to minimize their abusive behavior. I would say that the conservative news media has definitely, definitely done that with these politicians. They're, they're in on it. Minimizing their hurtful behaviors or words by saying something like, it was just a joke or you're way too sensitive. That's also, I think, probably more uh happens in a relationship than in this particular instance but once again it's not like you have to hit every single one of these for it to be gaslighting and so far i would say the republican party and the conservative news media has certainly hit and done far more of these than the few that they haven't separating you from friends or family who might recognize your gaslighting abuse systems uh, symptoms you know it, it's really strange before trump the country was obviously split because uh, you just go and look at past elections. And I would say pretty much since the 96 election, the country has been, you know, 53, 47, somewhere in that percent range. And that's how elections sort of swing. But since Trump, so many people that are MAGA supporters and QAnon people have either through actions of their own caused their friends to quit wanting to be involved with them or they have quit wanting to be involved with their friends because you know they're woke liberals they're woke liberals they're they're just woke which i find it funny that being being aware that certain things are systemic racism built into certain things in the system and that we need to teach people hey you know what this is the history and this is what happened that recognizing and admitting that these things happen is the is the the bad thing we're the bad guys like the people that refuse to admit that racism is bad have the moral high ground here. Anyway, that's an argument for a different day. Anyway, my point was is that friends and family since Trump have quit being friends and hanging out. Uh, there were certain people that I was friends with on social media that they were so hardcore, especially after the pandemic started. Um, these views were so hardcore, borderline insane that I just... I just couldn't anymore. And I had never done that in my life. And I had to unfriend people because of it. And this is because they have been so gaslit that they believe all of these things that have occurred. And they're just spreading information that was getting people killed. And so in a way, it that's happened. And even the people that aren't <laughs> conservatives, we've separated ourselves from people because of this gaslighting that's coming down from uh, above. So then the next question is, 
Is there gaslighting abuse at work or in society? Also from the Newport Institute. Well, obviously I'm talking about society right now. So I clearly believe that gaslighting is taking place at a, at a massive level from a societal standpoint. But it does happen in work. And I'm going to read this from uh, the Newport Institute. It's also important to recognize gaslighting abuse symptoms in the workplace and other contexts outside of romantic relationships. Blame shifting in relationships and other gaslighting behaviors can take place between colleagues or between a supervisor and an employee. Typically, the perpetrator acts in a way that causes the other person to question their take on the situation, undermining their confidence and belief in themselves. Someone might use gaslighting as a tactic to avoid owning up to the mistake at work or to unfairly take credit for a task well done. Another type of workplace gaslighting is known as whistleblower gaslighting. This describes a situation in which an employee who reports misconduct at work, such as a toxic environment or sexual harassment, is made to feel that they are overreacting, remembering wrong, or misinterpreting. Gaslighting can also be perpetrated against marginalized or disempowered groups in the workplace. A gaslighter might try to dis dismiss or deny their colleagues' experiences or identities. One study involving women of color in the field of academic science found that all participants had had a negative workplace experience, including gaslighting. Women in general are often subject to gaslighting, particularly when reporting gender-based violence, according to a study published in the American Sociological Review. Gaslighting could not exist without inequities in the distribution of social, political, and economic power, writes Harvard researcher Paige L. Sweet. Now that we have uh, this sort of backstory on gaslighting and what it is, I would say that Fox News, the conservative media, Republican Party has hit every one of those bills. Every, not everyone, but they've definitely hit a lot of these marks. A lot of these milestones and these text messages that came from January 6th show that that is indeed the case and that they knew it. And we know that because uh, Mark Meadows gave the January 6th Congressional Committee 2,319 text messages from just before the day of the election to uh, sometime in January. In there's another 1,000 text messages that he is withholding, and he refuses to give to the committee. And these 2,300 messages have been incredibly, incredibly damning. So I have to wonder what the 1,000 that he refuses to give them have in it as well. And so uh, this was from CNN, and I'm going to be reading uh, from a particular uh, article that came out on Monday, April 25th, 2022, by Jamie Gangel, Jeremy Herb, and Elizabeth Stewart. And the title is called, uh, the name of the article is CNN Exclusive, Mark Meadows, 2319 Text Messages Reveal Trump's Inner Circle Communications Before and After January 6th. So they're going to demonstrate the key role that he played and other people played in trying to stop Biden's certification on January 6th. And just while we're on the subject, Mike Pence could not do anything that day. The only thing that the vice president can do is read out the results, which Mike Pence did. If the vice president could throw out an election, Al Gore would have done that in 2000. His case that the election was stolen is certainly a lot stronger. And the more we know about it from history... 
it probably was stolen from him. But I digress. These messages have, uh, these text messages include Trump's daughter, Ivanka, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, Don Jr., cabinet members, Republican Party leaders, January 6th rally organizers, that's important, Rudy Giuliani, my pillow, Mike Lindell, Sean Hannity, and other Fox News hosts. And then there are also former and current Republican members of Congress, Ted Cruz, Jim Jordan of Ohio, Mo Brooks of Alabama, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia. And uh, for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene sent, Mark, I was just told there is an active shooter on the first floor of the Capitol. Please tell the president to calm people. This isn't the way to solve anything. Meadows does not appear to reply. More messages flooded in. Mark, he needs to stop this now. Can I do anything to help? Mick Mulvaney, Trump's former acting White House chief of staff, texted Meadow. It's really bad up here on the Hill. They have breached the Capitol, Georgia Republican Representative Barry Loudermilk wrote. The president needs to stop this ASAP, GOP Rep William Timmons of South Carolina. POTUS is engaging, Meadows sent in a response to Loudermilk. We are doing it. Thanks, this doesn't help our cause, Loudermilk replied. Shortly after, Don Jr. weighs in. This one you go to the mattresses on. They will try to fuck his entire legacy on this if it gets worse. Tell them to go home, Texas Trump's first chief of staff, Rents Priebus. So on January 6th, all of these politicians knew exactly who was doing this. And yet, January 7th, they all have a different story. And that's when they started doing these conspiracy theories. Also, on in terms of gaslighting, these text messages so that they started figure, trying to figure out ways to steal the election on November 4th and 5th, or at least overturning it. So on November 7th, hours before the election was called, Perry texted Meadows again, we have the data-driven program that can clearly show where the fraud was committed. This is the silver bullet. Ironically enough, they did not have any of that data. Uh, because they've never been able to produce it. And it seems to me that if you had that data, in this instance, you would produce it. So they're just getting away with it. And it's just crazy. And then, you know, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene wanting him to declare martial law, but not martial law, martial the name law. I don't know if that all meant we had to be called martial for a day. Um, as she was texting with them. And so there's just all of this stuff that the January 6th committee has. And here in a minute, I'm going to go a little more in depth with somebody so I can show that there is a connection between at least one conservative media personality. But there were other conservative and Fox News hosts that were in on this. Brian Kilmeade, Laura Ingram. Um, I can't think of who the, the other person is. Ironically enough, Tucker Carlson, who's one of the biggest conspiracy nut jobs out there does not appear that he was involved but oh my goodness was sean hannity involved and for years there had been rumors that he was president trump's shadow chief of staff and you i don't know if he was a shadow chief of staff but he was definitely in on decision making from this and so let's see and this is from the new york times with obviously that information they got from cnn um, I'm going to read this again. Fox News host Sean Hannity promised Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, that he would push an election day get out the vote message to his radio show listeners according to communications within a cache of more than 2,000 text messages obtained by CNN. 
NC going to be okay? Hannity wrote in one text to Meadows on November 3rd, 2020. Meadows then asked for Hannity's help with messaging and offered him a slogan to convey to the host, hosts, millions of radio show listeners. Stress every vote matters. Meadows wrote back, get out and vote on radio. Hannity responded in the affirmative, writing back, yes, sir, on it, before adding any place in particular we need to push. Hannity also had a role in writing a Trump campaign ad in the 2020 election. According to the book by Wall Street Journal reporter Michael Bender, though Hannity has denied any participation. That would be because Sean Hannity is a liar. In his denial, he acknowledged that the world knows that Sean Hannity supports Donald Trump, but my involvement specifically in the campaign, no, I was not involved that much. Sure, Sean, sure, because if things are coming out, if anything has been proven, it's that you are a liar. So since Trump left the White House, he has appeared several times on Hannity's Fox show. In December hearing on January 6th, committee, Representative Liz, Liz Cheney read aloud text messages sent separately to Meadows by Hannity and fellow Fox News hosts Brian Kilmeade and Laura Ingram, urging Axon to be taken to calm the rioters. Hannity asked Meadows if Trump could make a statement and ask people to leave the Capitol. So on January 6th, Sean Hannity was aware that the people storming the Capitol were MAGA. They were Trump supporters. While Hannity received some praise from his unusual critics for seemingly taking the Capitol insurrection seriously, he responded by attacking Cheney and argued that his privacy had been violated. Why would they release this? Except they're trying to make a point? Yeah, the point is, Sean, that you were involved on this, you knew who it was, and then you spent January 7th until the current day, lying about what happened, lying about who did it, lying about your involvement. So that's the point that they're trying to make, Sean Hannity, is that you are a liar. You do not tell the truth. You are a liar. You lie. You just are, you've just been on this the whole time. You've been fine with helping spread this narrative rather than the truth. And in my opinion, Fox News needs to hire, fire you. You need to be fired. I have a strong sneaking suspicion that when Cuomo got fired from CNN because he was doing basically the same thing, but with his brother, at least they have their brothers, he got fired. And I have a feeling that you probably strongly supported CNN firing him. Well, if you are a man of integrity, you have done the same thing. And not only have you done the same thing, you've been exposed doing the same thing. You need to either resign or accept the fact that Fox News needs to hire you. But you won't do that because now you're lying about your, you know, these text messages come out and you're lying about your involvement. Similar to how you have lied about uh, COVID-19. There is, I don't, I don't know, two weeks ago, somewhere around there, Sean Hannity was saying, I was always telling people to get the vaccine and take, you know, that this is a very serious matter. And then there's a video of, of him telling, it's like a three minute mashup of him telling people, do not get the vaccine. This vaccine is evil. But now all of a sudden, I've been telling people to get the vaccine. And, you know, strangely enough, the people that watch his show, probably not one of them will sit back and think, you know what? I remember him saying things differently. So... Sean Hannity is really the worst of the worst. He, I think he thinks that he is a man of, you know, that has like, I don't know, a big set of balls or whatever, but he doesn't. He's, he's just a lying little man who, for whatever reason, can't, I don't know, own up to his bullshit. 
And most of the conservative media has been doing the same thing since January 6th. And the amount of gaslighting that has just taken place since then, it, it, it is literally at an industrial scale. I'm going to see if I can't get my Photoshop abilities to work. And I think the Republican Party needs to change its symbol from an elephant to an elephant that's holding a gaslight, you know, a lantern type situation from its trunk. Because they are officially the party of gaslighting. And one has to ask how long they have been doing this. For example, you know, the first talk radio guy that made it big exploded nationally was Rush Limbaugh. Well, when Rush Limbaugh started his program in California, he actually took over the slot that was held previously by Morton Downey Jr. If you grew up in the 80s, you know who Morton Downey Jr. was. He was the prototype for Jerry Springer. And he would yell at guests and scream at guests, and sometimes fights broke out. But he got his start from the radio in California, worked at the same station Rush Limbaugh did, and he left to do this TV show, and Rush volunteered to fill in the slot. <clears throat> and at first, he was just sort of impersonating uh, somewhat Morton Downey Jr. There are a couple other figures in conservative radio that came before, and he was sort of impersonating them as well. But he didn't believe what he was saying. It was basically an act. He was almost Cobaring it before Cobert Cobared. And it was all an act. And so the question is, at what point did Rush Limbaugh start actually believing the stuff that he was doing in his act? A lot of the things that he did was set up from other people. It was very theatric. He recognized how to manipulate people early on. And then other conservative radio started, because then it started this trend of local radio stations would have local people doing Rush Limbaugh things, and several of them went national. One of those people was Sean Hannity, who started guest filling in for the Rush Limbaugh show if he was out. And one has to wonder if Sean Hannity was always a true believer, or if he's just been acting all of this time as well. Because the thing about Sean Hannity is, if you were to go back and listen to 30 years of him, you could see where Whatever the wind direction is blowing for conservatives, he always takes whatever, I don't know, the Republican Party is, whatever their current position is, his position will change based on what direction the wind is blowing. So I wonder, I don't think he's a true believer. I think he knows a lot of what he's saying is bullcrap. But there's a point where you can't change that because you've been so hard at it. And I believe he thinks the hit he would take if he came clean would be greater than the hit that he's taken, obviously being a horrible liar. And, you know, a lot of these other conservative media hosts, you have to wonder. Um, I used to think that Glenn Beck was very sincere. And when it comes to helping people after disasters, I believe that 100%. He has a charity that 100% of the donations go for that charity. He has a couple of fundraising drives for it to pay the staff and then the rest of it. 100% goes towards the charity, which is cool. And, you know, after tornadoes or something, floods, whatever, they go and give water and emergency food to people, which is cool. But just to show you how it's the bottom line, a lot of what he does is to sell books and merchandise. Um, but just to sort of show you 
In the beginning, he was a never-Trumper. He didn't like Trump to the point to where he lost a lot of viewers in 2015, 2016, because he was anti-Trump. And somewhere in the Trump administration, he evolved and changed his tone. And, I mean, it was to the point to where him and Sean Hannity got into a gigantic argument. Um, Glenn Beck has studios in New York City and in Texas to the point to where when Hannity was getting his radio studio reworked, uh, Glenn Beck let him use his New York studios because they'd already moved to Texas so that he could do all of the stuff he needed to do. Uh, This was several years before Trump. But Hannity from the get-go was a Trumper, and he could not handle the fact that Glenn Beck wasn't. And they got into a massive, massive fight over it to the point to where after Trump won the primaries and he was the candidate and he got elected, Beck was basically saying, look, I was for these people, didn't win, you know, Trump, I need to give Trump a chance. And if the if we can't get together on this you know, the rest of the country could be hosed or whatever. And Sean Hannity refused to accept an olive branch from him and accept that, hey, we need to start working together. So there's that. But since that time, you know, Glenn Beck has been one of the strong people that the election was stolen, the election was stolen. He knows it wasn't stolen. And now he's doing this big push on, you know, there's going to be food shortages. You got to start buying food. Well, for years, people that sell that kind of stuff have been sponsors of the Glenn Beck show. But now he's pushing it hard. And it makes me wonder if he's somehow in on on it. Because there really haven't been grocery shortages, except for in the Trump administration when COVID first started and all the grocery stores shelves were empty because everybody was overstocking on things. That happened. But since Biden has been president, there haven't really been shortages of thing you know during the beginning of the pandemic i was staying at home and i wanted to bake bread could not find yeast in a grocery store to save my life i had to order a one pound bag from amazon and to act as if you know there are massive food shortages about to drop because biden is president it i i don't see it happening but these are also the people that told us that obamacare would cause death panels hasn't happened hasn't happened not seeing massive people die You know, these are the same people that told us that the vaccine was designed to kill people. Well, now we're a year, a year and a month out from when people started heavily getting the vaccine. And a year out is when they said that people were going to start dying from this vaccine. And I do not see the massive amount of deaths that 300 million people in just the U.S. alone, not 300 million, um, it's like 150 million people have been fully vaccinated. Where are all the people dying from that? You know what I mean? 1% of the people that died from a vaccine would be, you know, 1.5 million people. Where are all those deaths? The housing market would not be in the situation it currently is because a lot of the people that got vaccinated first were, you know, seniors, people in their 60s and 70s. Well, if the vaccine was going to start killing people a year out, it would start killing them. Most of them are homeowners. And so there would be this huge glut of houses on the market because all of the homeowners that would be croaking would in fact be People that were vaccinated. Not happening. So that's another thing of gaslighting, the crap that they did with the pandemic. But that is an argument for a different day and probably a show all its own. So I guess what it boils down to is the people that are doing this hardcore gaslighting, they need to be called on it. They need to be held accountable. If you host a show on a news network 
And since it's been proven that you are lying and you knew that you were lying, you should be fired. Dan Rather lost a job at CBS being their anchor because he was caught lying. It's taken a while. He's kind of somewhat respected again, but he was caught lying. They completely made up a story about uh, George Walker Bush. And he faced the consequences for it. Cuomo, CNN, faced a consequence for it. And these conservative media folk have not faced any consequence for their action. Members of the Republican Party that are in the House and the Senate, there's been no consequence for their action either. I have a strong feeling that a big part of the reason the Republican Party was so against the January 6th committee is they realized that members of Congress that are Republicans, their involvement in that is going to probably be greater than they wanted it to appear. My only thing is the January 6th committee is running out of time to announce all of this. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they want to announce all of this crap in September. I don't know. But they're running out of time to get this information out because if the Republicans win in November, there definitely will no longer be a January 6th committee. Anyway, I, I hope this epic rant on gaslighting <laughs> was informative. I hope I've made some sense. But um, I am going to go ahead and call this off or call this off. I'm going to go ahead and stop recording and uh, tell everybody bye. If you have listened to this show for any length of time, you know that my daughter was in a serious accident at the end of February. I'm going to update real quick on her. She's doing very, very well physically. Parts of her are healing at a rate that even her doctors are surprised at. She is doing everything she's supposed to do for her recovery. I'm very proud of her. I, I can't express to you how proud I am of her that she is not in a woe is me situation. She's taking this very seriously, doing everything she can to heal. And she's actually probably handling this a lot better than I would if I was in the same situation. It would be very easy for her to just be super depressed, lay in bed, not want to get up and do anything. And that's not her. She's two months out from, well, from being on fire, and she is not on any pain meds stronger than Tylenol or ibuprofen. That's pretty amazing, and uh, I'm quite proud of her for facing this head on, even though she knew that this was, you know, was an overwhelming situation, but she's faced it. Sometimes she could only face it a second at a time, but she's faced it, and she's doing, doing well. So I just wanted to give that slight update. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and end the show the way I always do, even though I know I fell at this frequently. And that is try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. Bye. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.